Um, anyway, my name is Travis. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say welcome again to, to Finding Life Church. It's, it's awesome to have you, got you all here, and it's exciting for me to get the opportunity to share with you today. Um, I actually get to wrap up the series that we've been in for the past four weeks, which is called Heart Rhythms. And where I wanted to start this morning is with just kind of a little refresher, because, you know, it's summer, and we're scattered, and we're here sometimes, and we're not, and, and it's good just to remember why are we doing this series? Like, what is the ultimate point of it? Um, and when Jay kicked it off four weeks ago, he said this, that this series is about developing rhythms of life um, that bring our hearts closer to Jesus and align our steps more with his. So that's what we're doing here in this series. And you've had the opportunity, which is really cool to hear from everybody on our teaching team. You've heard from Jake and Mallory and Courtney, and, and I get to wrap it up. And, and uh, I, I got to be honest, when Jake told me that I was going last, the first thing that I thought was, well, what if somebody steals my idea? which just goes to show you I'm still an elementary school kid at heart. But anyway, luckily we're all different and unique, and, and what they were going to talk about was just nothing near what I'm going to talk about today. So um, as I processed this idea, though, there was lots of things that went through my head, um, and, I, and I, I, my heart went instantly to a couple things that would be fairly easy for me to talk about. Um, if, if I think of rhythms of life that I engage in that keep me connected to God, one is reading his word. And the other one is worshiping him as I live my life. Like those are the two things that are just like the foundation of, of how I stay connected to God. That would be really simple and it would be really easy and, and it would be really safe. But I just couldn't go there. Like my heart kept coming back to the fact that those are not the two things that have impacted my life and faith the most. That there's in fact something else that has been a bigger impact on me. And, and I need to not be chicken, and I need to just talk about it. And so that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to talk about something that is not the safest, easiest thing to talk about, but it is the best, most impactful thing that I could talk about. And that rhythm of life that has most impacted me is choosing to live life in a faith community. And now I don't mean this one here, although I love all of you, and I love doing this every Sunday. I'm not talking about the larger community of Finding Life. I'm talking about a smaller community made up of four to five people, and everybody, most everybody around here knows we call that life group. Now, I also don't want you to think that I'm just going to stand up here for the next 20 to 25 minutes and give you the commercial for why you should go to life group every week, because that's not the point. We're going to get deeper than that, uh, because life group is way more than 90 minutes once a week when we get together with people from Finding Life. Like, it is way more than that. Um, I would define life groups if you asked me to, and I actually did this when I first joined the staff because I, had, I was raising support um, for, my, for my salary my first year at Finding Life. And so as I sent letters out to family and friends, I had to kind of try to describe to them what it is that I did. And one of the things that I tried to do was define life groups, and here's how I defined it. Um, it's small groups of men and women that make the intentional choice to do life and faith together in community. You cannot do life and faith together in community in 90 minutes. Uh, one time a week. That is, not, that is not how it works. That is not the way that it was designed. It is letting people into your life and you letting them, it's letting people into your life and them letting you into theirs. There, I said that right. That's kind of a tongue twister. And not just the surface of your life, the deepest, like the deepest parts of your heart and life. And I know as I say that, like that sounds really scary, Right? And, and, I, and I, I believe it, and I know it is, because I felt the same way. Like, I can remember when I first got connected to Life Group, my palms used to sweat, my forehead used to sweat, and it does all the time because there's no hair there to catch it, so, you know, I get sweaty forehead all the time. Um, I know it's scary. It sounds scary and messy, 
And it sounds like a lot of work, and it is all of those things. It absolutely is. But it promises so much more. Because God grows us when we let people in. And that's our truth for this morning. You'll see that at the top of your worship flyer. Um, Think about this for a second. What if, by letting people into your life, God could help you move past things in your life that you never thought you could move past? Something that you're dealing with right now that you don't think there's any chance you could move past. What if God could move you past that and he wants to use other people, but we're not letting them in? What if, by letting people in, God transformed you? What if he changed your life in ways that you never thought was possible? It is absolutely there for us. It's promised to us in God's word. And I am standing here today, proof of its truth. No question about it. So the question for us this morning is this. Are you content with the status quo? Are you content with a life of comfort and safety? Or do you want to experience real growth? Do you want to experience real life change? Because if you want to experience those things, if you want them bad enough, it's totally worth the scary, uncomfortable parts. It might not seem like it five seconds before it happens, but afterwards it absolutely is. So this morning, uh, we're going to do two things. We're going to take a look at the scripture that has informed this heart rhythm for me. Like, where does it come from in the Bible? And then, and then I'm going to just kind of have story time. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to have story time. I'm going to tell you lots of stories, lots of examples from my own life about how this heart rhythm has impacted me. Um, and, and my goal, honestly, is just to give you a window into what my faith journey has been like for the past five to six years and how I've seen God use this rhythm to change me. Because I want you to see it and go, okay, I can jump over that hurdle, that scary hurdle of letting people into my life because I can see that it's worth it. That's something that I want. Um, I want that for you. I want you to be excited when you walk out of here to go, you know what? I think it's worth it. Okay, so that's my, that's my goal for this morning. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into our Bibles. If you've got them with you or you use your phone, go ahead and bust it out. I mean, you don't have to. I'm going to read the stuff anyway. So if you'd rather just listen, that's fine too. Um, we are going to be focusing on really just four verses this morning, and we're going to kind of stay there all morning. It's James 5, uh, James 5, 16 through 20. James 5, 16 through 20, and here's what they say. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again... The sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Okay, so there's James 5, 16 through 20, and we're just going to kind of repeat this stuff. If you've got your worship flyer, please pull it out. Um, If you like following along, taking notes. Um, I've only got three points on that worship flyer, the truth at the top, and then these three points, confession, prayer, and I couldn't figure out a clever thing to say about the last one, so we're just going to call it bringing back. (laughs) I know that doesn't sound too clever. Um, They all come from these verses, so we're going to start with number one, which is confession. Um, And I'm going to reread verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So, The first part of that says, confess your sins, and everybody got sick to their stomach, right? Like, I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, like, I get this kind of visceral reaction, 
and my, my palms start sweating and my stomach hurts. And so, yeah, that's a great place for us to start, right? Let's see if we can clear that hurdle first. That is the toughest one, I think, for us to clear because of the society that we live in, the culture that we live in. It feels like that, that the, from the minute we're born, um, we are taught to hide our brokenness, that, that we're programmed to, to act like everything is okay all the time, um, that we see, and I think a lot of it's just because of media and TV and how, how, how much we grow up with it, that, that our images are what matter. And so we cover up, we keep things hidden, we convince ourselves that the sin that we're battling is so much worse than anything anybody else could possibly be dealing with. And sometimes uh, we convince ourselves that we're the only ones dealing with it, which of course we know is not the truth. Romans 3.23 is the truth, and it says, For all have sinned, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. Not one of us is completely free of it. There was only one perfect human being that's ever lived. There will only be one perfect human being that's ever lived, and we are not him. And, and yet we try to act like we are sometimes. And I don't know why we pretend. I don't know what the point is. Because the people that we would be confessing our sins to, they have them too. They're no different than us. You know, one of the things that I have loved about finding life from the moment that I got connected uh, was that people didn't pretend. I grew up in a small town, and I grew up around in a town where the church people in that town, they just acted like they were better than everybody. Maybe just me because I wasn't a church person. Right? But, but it was a small town, and I knew everything about them, and so I knew they weren't perfect, and so I knew it was just an act, and it was all pretend. And it wasn't everybody. I'm not suggesting it was, but that was the general feel that I got, the general impression that I got. And I just loved it when I walked into Finding Life and I talked to people. They didn't act like they had it all together, and it was just great because I knew I didn't either. Um, but you know what? Even with that, I got connected to a group of guys, and I started doing life group, and I started doing life and faith with them, and it took me a long time before I was willing to open up, even with how open everybody else was. Um, there were lots of things that I struggled with at the time. Um, and finally, after a while, the floodgates opened. And these guys were like, what is happening here? Um, I'm sure that then they wished I'd stop talking. Um, and they probably still wish I'd stop talking. Um, but there was lots of things that I was struggling with. But there's one of them that I want to share in particular um, because it was something that it was just a huge turning point in my faith journey um, as, I was, as I was going through uh, in the beginning. Um, and some of you may know this, and some of you may not know about this, is that I used to have this habit of chewing tobacco. And, I, and if anybody in the crowd does that, like I'm not here to pass any judgment on you or anything like that, but most people when I say that go, gross, you did what? Um, yeah, and I did it for like 15 years. It was I, when I look back now, I'm like, how did I, why did I do that? That's so disgusting. Who does that? Um, anyway, I was addicted to it. It had control of me. There was no question about it. I, my life revolved around it. It was, it was something that, not only that, but it was something that I hid from people because I was ashamed of it, and I lied about it to people all the time. And so it was much bigger than just, like, chewing tobacco, which, you know, to some people is like, ah, big deal, whoop-de-doo. Um, it was hard for me to talk about, and it was embarrassing. And in the beginning of my time in life group, they actually, we used to have life group at my apartment, and I used to, like, do it before they came over, and then I'd really quick, like, try to hide all this stuff so nobody would see it. And, and I planned on telling the guys, like, several times about it, just like, hey, this is something I'm battling with. You know, can you help me? And I could just never bring myself to bring it up because I felt like they had it way more together than I did. I still felt that way. 
Um, and I'll never forget the day I finally let it out. I built it up into the, just this huge, terrible thing, like I'd murdered somebody or something. And so when I, when I finally said it, the guys in my life group like almost laughed at me. They were like, huh, is that all? Um, that's nothing. Now, if you are in a life group and somebody confesses something to you, I don't recommend laughing at them. Um, <laughs> but it was exactly what I needed to hear at the time because I built this thing up like it was this big thing, and they're like, oh, what are you, what are you, crazy? So anyway, we started just kind of sharing each other's struggles, like things we had struggled with, things we were currently struggling with, and I got to know at that moment that all these guys were just like me. Like, I was, we were all the same, and we were all in the same boat. They prayed for me that that addiction would lose its power over me, and I'll, and I'll tell you, I didn't quit, like, instantly. It wasn't like it, I snapped my fingers, and it was easy for me, and, and my life didn't revolve around it anymore, but that is the day that I learned something that was so powerful. And Courtney reminded me of it when we were in 1 John a few months back when she was teaching on it. And she read this verse, 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And as she was talking that day, one of the things she was talking about was that if we keep our sins hidden in the darkness, we are giving them power. We give them power, and if we bring them out into the light, out into the open, they start to lose their power, and that happened to me that day. There's no question about it. It started to lose its power over me, and Jesus eventually cleansed me of that. So, you know, as I'm describing that, you know, think about it, what it is for you. I mean, there's, there's something. There is something, because we all have something. Um, but insert what that thing is for you, that sin issue that you battle, that you hide, that you can't. Um, that, and, just, and just for a second, imagine what would it be like if that thing didn't have any power in your life? But don't even stop there. Think about it this way. What if God healed you of that and removed it completely from your life? And that's what's going to bring us to number two, which is prayer. Um, and for this, let's go back to James 5. Um, the second part of that says, after confess your sins to each other, it says, pray for each other so that you may be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So what are we doing when we confess our sins to each other? Yes, just getting them out in the open, it helps them to lose their power, absolutely. But what are we looking for, right? We're not necessarily looking for advice or encouragement, but those things are helpful, and, and they definitely have a place. But chances are, if, it, if you're bringing up something and you're confessing something to, a, to, to somebody that you're doing life and faith with, if you're going to confess something to them, it's something that you've been battling. Like, it takes us a while to want to say something out loud, right? So you've been battling it. Chances are you've gotten advice. You've gotten encouragement. You've tried to change yourself, and you just can't do it. And so when we confess things to each other, when we confess things to each other, we're not necessarily looking for those things. We're looking for people to pray for us. And as James 5 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read this several times. And one of the reasons I've read it several times is because it's in the DTL book, and I've read that book a hundred times um, because I've led DTL groups, and, and we've revised it and all kinds of stuff. And so, like, I've read that a lot. And every time I get to that part that says righteous person, I'm like, I'm not a righteous person. I don't have any right to pray for anybody. Um, and Jasmine and I were having this conversation uh, a, a couple weeks ago just about prayer, and she read this verse to me, and without any prompting, she says to me um, uh, something like, yeah, you know, I get hung up, and I, I think this, and she brought it up, which is kind of weird. We were connected on this, but that 
um, that people get hung up on this righteous person thing, but we have to remember that when we surrender our lives to Christ, God no longer sees us with all of our mess, right? He sees Jesus. And so we are righteous. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And I should get used to saying that, right? She's my wife. She's always right. Yeah, I should just get used to saying that. Um, I'm getting better. It's been three and a half months. I'm getting better at listening. Um, But anyway, that comes from 2 Corinthians 5.21, which says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you belong to Christ, then you have his righteousness. And you are a person who can pray earnestly for fellow believers. I have personally seen so many things in my life change because of this practice. Um, By confessing things to my community, by them praying um, for healing. I've seen God change problems in my life that I've had with addiction and resentment and anger and, and all kinds of things over the past five or six years. But I also want to give you a more recent example Um, I don't want to just talk about the beginning of where my journey started, but I want to talk about today, too. Um, As I've been talking about Jasmine as I'm up here, um, you guys know I've been married for a little bit now. And and I said two and a half months. And and all of you that are married can probably remember back to the first two and a half months and and how many adjustments and things come at you that you're not ready for. And let's be honest, it continues to happen to all of us as you continue to be married. But the first two and a half months can be a little interesting. Um, because there's things that you think are going to change that don't change. And there's things that you think are going to be the same that change. And so you're constantly just like trying to find your way, right? And, and so I'm not going to get into too many specifics, but there was a thing that her and I were dealing with. And it was, and it was causing a great amount of tension and frustration and arguing and fighting. And, and uh, after a while, I, I finally... Came, to, uh, came around. I come around eventually, right? Sometimes I think I got all the answers and I'm right, and, but eventually I come around and I realize that I, I don't. And, and so I finally came around to the, to the realization that this was my, my issue. Like I was causing this problem more than anything else. And so I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I got to tell my life group guys. And so I told them, they prayed for me. And, and I remember like four weeks going by and not even thinking about it again. And then stopping and going, and it's been a month, and we haven't argued about that one time. We haven't, I haven't been upset about it. I haven't been fired up about it. We, there's no tension. Like, it's gone. Um, it's just kind of amazing, and it doesn't always hit you in the moment. Like, it's not always something you recognize right away that things change, but they do. And this thing did not change because I did something, right? This thing changed in me because of the power of God, because Earnest, the earnest prayer of righteous people. And as, I, and as I was putting this, and I just kind of mentioned this, but as I was putting this sermon together and I was looking back, it's cool to look back over the, over the past five or six years and, and look at how many times this has happened. And, and at the time, like, but I was still, as I was sitting here preparing this, I was still surprised. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was something I used to struggle with. Oh, yeah, that was something I used to struggle with. It's crazy why, and I don't understand why I'm still surprised that this happens to this day. Um, it's not always fast, but I can, I can, I can tell you with certainty that, that God always grows me through the process of these things. And, and like I said, I'm surprised and I don't know why because this is what God promises us, okay? This is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
This is basically saying that God is, what God promises us is transformation. He is through the, the, the stuff of life, the ups and downs of life. He promises, he is changing us into the image of Jesus. He is changing us to be more and more like him every single day. So I don't know why we're surprised when it happens. But he absolutely is doing that with each and every one of us. And he does it when we let people into our lives. And that is going to bring us to point number three for today. Which, again, I couldn't figure out what to call it. We're just going to call it bringing back. Um, in the group of guys that I do life and faith with, we do this for each other. But I don't think we even mean to do it. It just happens. Um, and this is something that I think happens most often outside of the 90 minutes we get together once a week. Um, because one of the things that has happened over the years is we've become just really good friends, and we hang out and we talk outside of just when we get together for those 90 minutes. But before we jump into that, I want to read verse 19 and 20 again. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Now, you might read this and just think, oh, they're just talking about somebody that walks away from God completely. And I think it could be describing that. But I think it describes something that is way more common in all of us. And that is we all wander. All of us. Every day. Even moment by moment we wander. We have periods of, of unbelief. We might have periods where we're having trouble believing the existence of God or the character of God. Or maybe it's not even that big of a thing. Maybe it's just that we are having a hard time believing that God's going to provide for us. That, that he's always with us and that... And that he's going to forgive me for whatever this thing is that I just did. Whatever it is, we all deal with this unbelief in some form or fashion. And, and we have an enemy who would love nothing more than to get us away from God. And one of his greatest weapons is isolation, I believe. Uh, Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. When we isolate who are we listening to? We're just in our own heads, right? We're just listening to ourselves. And we're not just listening to ourselves, and, and usually not our good consciences, but, but a lot of times we're listening to our flesh. We're listening to our, our selfish, sinful desires. That's who we're listening to when we isolate. The other thing that happens when we isolate is we block out the voice of God from our lives. I'm not sure if you remember, and I believe it was last summer, we, we preached a series on, on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and we define a disciple as this. Somebody, um, a disciple of Jesus is somebody who is continually listening to Jesus and responding with, a, with obedience to what they hear. And, and one of the things that, that Jake, or Courtney, I believe it was, talked about in that series is there's three ways that we hear from God. God's word, through worship, and the third one was people. God uses people to speak into our lives. And if we isolate, we are blocking a way that we can hear the voice of God. One of the most well-known examples of this, when I think about this subject, the most well-known example that pops into my head is King David. Um, and we're going to read a little bit of that. I just want to kind of quick tell this story. David was the second king of the nation of Israel, right? And he was kind of a big deal because in 2 Samuel, um, God says about David that he is a man after his own heart. So he is a really important figure. Well, in 2 Samuel 11, and most of us know the story, we get to the story of David and Bathsheba. Um, here's the cliff notes. David sleeps with Bathsheba, she's married to somebody else, she gets pregnant, and instead of coming clean about it, David uses his power and influence to send her husband to the front lines of the war, so he gets killed. He dies, he gets the girl, 
and he takes her into his house, right? Just a string of terrible decisions. But that's not even the part of the story I want us to focus on. The part of the story I want us to focus on is the first part, which is Second Samuel, and in 2 Samuel 11, it says this. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab, who is his military commander, and his servants with him in all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So get that. A time when kings are supposed to be out at battle, David's not at battle. He's, he's home in Jerusalem. And he sent everybody away. Everybody that would challenge him. Everybody would say, hey, David, what are you doing? You're being an idiot. Knock it off. Nobody was around to say that to him. He isolated himself. And he gave in to his selfish desires. And I think sometimes when we read that, we think, what an idiot. Why would you do that? Like, you had everything. And you threw it away because there was all kinds of rough stuff that happened to David after that. But you know what? The truth is we all have it in us to do the same thing. Maybe not exactly the same thing because, you know, different time and all that. But we have it in us to do awful stuff when we isolate ourselves. Sometimes we can do that and give in to our selfish desires, which is why we need people in our lives. We need people in our lives to keep us on the road. I like to think of it like rumble bars, okay? And I don't know about you, but when I drive, rumble bars, rumble bars drive me nuts, <clears throat> especially the roads with the rumble bars in the center, because um, I have to drive out in the small town Nebraska, so they put the rumble bars in the center. And so every time you pass somebody, um, it's like your car's going to fall apart. And I hit them a lot, and that might be just because I'm a bad driver, okay? And Jasmine would probably agree with that. I need to keep my eyes on the road more and stay off my phone and, and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, the rumble bars. So, but they're there for a reason, right? They're excellent. Um, they keep us in our lane. They keep us from veering off into this lane and getting hit head on while we're driving down the highway. And they keep us from going into the ditch on this side. And, and so they're, they're, they might be slightly annoying when you're driving and you're passing people, but, but they're needed. They're necessary. They keep us on the road. We need people in our lives to be like rumble bars, to push us back from going out into the ditch and going into the other lane when we veer off course, because we will, all of us will, because we're human, and that's just who we are. Within the group of guys that, that I've some, uh, within my group of guys, I've sometimes been that for them, but I feel like most of the time they're rumble bars for me. Um, and it's funny the things you remember as you think back. And as I was preparing this sermon, uh, there was one thing that stuck out in my mind that happened four years ago. And, and my commitment to my group of guys was kind of waning. I wasn't really hanging out with them very much. I wasn't communicating with them very much. And I showed up to a Sunday morning service, and one of these guys said, uh, I wasn't going to make it to, to life group that week. And one of the guys said, um, it's okay, Travis. Someday you'll come back to Jesus. <laughs> and now, if I said that to some of you, you might slap me. Um, but, but he and I had a good laugh, and, and he was right. Um, and it was the best thing that could have happened to me at that time because it wasn't my commitment to these guys that was waning. It was my commitment to my walking with Jesus that was waning. And it convicted me, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, and it, and it corrected me. Um, more recently, in the, in the last few months, I've had another one of these kind of moments. Um, for you guys uh, that are in Life Group, you know that... We do this practice where we, we intentionally like, ask for healing prayer. We say, does anybody need healing prayer? And we confess to each other, and we practice praying for each other. Um, 
and, and that's, that's typically the way life group goes. And I will say this, life group is not typical. Uh, my life group is not typical. We, um, we have people that will take us on tangents that you wouldn't believe. I mean, I've gotten smarter through it, um, and, and we have a problem. Sometimes we turn the PlayStation on, and we can't shut it off, and we would rather talk about that than we would life group sometimes. We don't do it perfectly, but I tell you what, through all of the, the distractions and the tangents and things, extra things that we do, we have developed friendships, and those have meant so much more to us because we have earned a voice in each other's lives. So a few mo- months ago, we get to this part of life group, and, and one of the guys says, and, and I say, does anybody need healing prayer? And one of the guys says, I always have something that I am battling, and so I'm committing to you guys that from here on out, every time I hear that question, I'm going to conf- confess something, and I'm gonna, I want you guys to pray for me. And I was just like, ugh, because you know what? I always have something too. And for the longest time, or for a while, I had wandered. I had wandered away from this. I believe in it so much, but I would wandered away from it. I got to the point where I felt like, yeah, the things that I'm battling aren't that bad. I'm not going to bring them up. Or I got myself to the point where I, again, cared too much about my image and not enough about growth. And so that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was very convicting. Um, God, in this case, used a friend, a friend that cared more about growing than he cared about his image. And that friend brought me back to the truth because I had wandered. Um, God has used people in my life. I mean, this is where I want to invite the band back up. Um, um, God has used people in my life to take me where he wants me to go. Um, And he wants to do that same thing for you. He absolutely wants to do that same thing for you. Um, So let's Let's kind of wrap up back where we started. Um, in the beginning, I said I wanted to give you kind of a window into just some stories, some things that have happened in my life and, and things that, I've grow- that God has grown me through because I've been willing to let people into my life. Um, it, always, it hasn't always been, I haven't always been excited about it. I mean, I've been nervous and scared to do it, but, but on the flip side, I've seen like how far God has taken me through all of this stuff. So uh, like I said at the beginning, how does this sound to you? Like, I wanted, I wanted you to hear this and go, I want that. So how does it sound to you? Um, and, and as you're thinking about that, think about these questions. Um, do you want that kind of growth? Right? We talked about that question at the beginning. Do we want status quo? Do we want comfort? Or do we want growth? Do we want life change? Do we want transformation? Do you want what I've described? Do you want that growth? Do you want that kind of life change, that kind of healing? Do you, do you want to stand not up here, but in five years, do you want to be thinking and looking back and going, man, I can't believe how many things God has changed in me over the last five to six years. You can be surprised by how much you've grown and changed. You can be. Because if that's what you want, if you want to grow, if you want to be healed, if you want that kind of transformation that God is promising you, then all you got to do is stop pretending. Stop pretending it's going to just happen. Stop pretending you can do it alone. Um, We all have to let go of image keeping and let people into our lives. And when we do, God will grow us. Let's pray. Um, Father God, thank you so much um, for the just visible examples. They don't just exist in my life, God. They exist in so many lives, the visible examples of your work. Um, None of this can be done. We can't do any of this, God. There's no magic formula. There's no timeline for you growing us. 
You're in control of it. You're in charge of it. But there is absolutely uh, the, one of the best things, God, about you is that, is that you're not limited by anything. Um, you can't be put in a box, any kind of a box that we could put you in. Whatever it is that we're battling, that we're struggling with, that we sometimes feel like there's just no hope, there's no way it can change. God, I pray for us this morning that, that you would just remove that from our hearts and, and remind us of who you are. You don't have any limits. There isn't anything too hard for you. You're God, the creator of the universe. God, make that make us believe that inside our hearts today. And 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 take steps into a life worth living, a life lived with people. Help us let down those barriers that keep us from letting people into our lives. Remind us how powerful it can be. In Jesus' name, amen.